Hello, I'm your host, Leonard Duncan. Welcome to a new episode of ATV Talk and Motorsports Podcast. Please join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We bring you interviews with industry professionals, live events, live news about the motorsports industry in every episode. Enjoy the show. Whether we are out riding with our friends and family or racing in extreme environments, we all need good tires. That's why I recommend GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Greenball Corp. Their products, which include XC Master, Mini Master, and Groundbuster 3, are what leading professionals in the ATV UTV industry are using. You can get your tires at greenballtires.com or find them on Instagram as GBC Tires for further inquiries. Are you looking for the best suspension technology for your sport ATV? Look no further than Elka Suspension, the industry leader in sport ATV suspension technology. With championship wins in prestigious events such as the Dakar Rally, Score, Best in the Desert, ATV MX, Cross Country, and Works, Elka Suspension has established itself as the go-to choice for athletes and enthusiasts alike. But they don't just stop at ATVs. They're constantly expanding into new markets, including UTVs, trucks, SUVs, pit bikes, snowmobiles, and more. Their commitment to innovation and quality means they're always looking to improve and adapt so you can enjoy a smooth ride wherever you go. Want to learn more about what Elka Suspension can do for you? Visit their website at elkasuspension.com or give them a call at 450-655-4855. They will always be happy to answer your questions and help you find the perfect suspension solution for your needs. Welcome to DBR Racing Products the leader in 3D modeling and innovations. Since 2015, they have been revolutionizing the industry, starting with their groundbreaking YFZ450R battery boxes. But they didn't stop there. They have continued to push the boundaries, constantly improving their design with each new version. In 2018, they introduced the game-changing Vortex EXO cage specifically designed to securely hold the Vortex ECU in a safe and sturdy location. This breakthrough innovation ensures your ECU stays protected even in the toughest racing conditions. At DBR, they understand that every detail matters. That's why they also offer an array of essential products to enhance your racing experience. Their spark plug hold downs keep your engine firing at peak performance while their LTR breather boxes ensure optimal ventilation for your machine. Their LT250 engine skid plates are a must have for those seeking unmatched protection. Engineered to shield your engine from impacts and rough terrain, they provide the ultimate defense for your ATV. But that's not all, they've developed ProPeg mounts that allow you to use TRX450R Nerf bars, giving you greater control and maneuverability on the track. To explore their full range of innovative products and learn more about DBR Racing, 
visit their website at www.dvratv.com. You can also reach them directly at 507-828-1233. Their knowledgeable team is ready to assist you with any questions or inquiries. DVR Racing Products, where innovation meets performance, unleash the power within you. Leon Spindon III, how are you, brother? Welcome back to ATV Talk, man. Thank you for having me back, Leonard. How are you doing? Well, you know, Jeremy was slipping me some bills to make that happen for you. Just just so you know. Oh, no, I'm kidding. No, I'm only kidding. No, (laughs) I I always enjoy the conversations with you. I know we just had a a pre-conversation about another topic that, you know, was only five minutes and it lasted almost an hour. Almost, almost. Hey, it's what happens. Right, right. Um, you know, last time we talked, we we touched over your developmental career, and we really just hit some highlights. And mm-hmm. we never really, I would say, dug deep into some of the portions of of your career that that got you where you are. I know that you were with Root River Racing, and that's yep. kind of your first gig as a. Um, on the map mechanic, race mechanic. Um, uh-huh. Before Root River, how much mechanic work were you doing for other people or was it just for yourself at that point? I was actually doing a decent amount before that as well. Um, you know, obviously I, I had a lot of my own four wheelers that I was working on, you know, rebuilding them. Um, my first actual quad build would have been my 2003 Suzuki Z400. Um, did a full re- frame up rebuild on that kind of turned into a motocross bike, long travel suspension, all that good stuff. Um, but otherwise, yeah, at the, on the side, you know, when I wasn't working at the dealership, I had a lot of local motocross and and quad guys coming and, and asking me like, Hey, you know, can you do the top end of my bike? Can you, you know, I just bought this Roach 250 or this Roach TRX 450R. Can you go through it and and see what it needs? And then, of course, I had uh, a a bunch of close buddies that rode as well, um, like three, eh, about five guys that I grew up with in my hometown. They all kind of rode with me. And for the most part, they all had either bikes or quads. So, you know, we'd get together and, and ride all the time on the weekends. And then every once in a while, we'd, you know, just dedicate a day of, okay, we're going to wash and and Leon's going to go through all the bikes and quads today. And then we're going to grill out and hang out for the day. Um, so we would do that every once in a while as well. So I was, I was doing a lot of wrenching and that's kind of what, what got me in with the whole root river thing as well was just kind of hanging out with those guys, selling them parts of course during the week, but then hanging out on the weekends, going riding with them every once in a while. And then on my days off, I would just go in there help them out. And I think one of the biggest things that, that really, um, got my name and, and skill in with rich Gillette who owned root river was everybody else was down in Texas uh, doing like winter training essentially. And rich was still in Minnesota, Wisconsin. And I asked one day I, I text rich. I'm like, Hey, I'm around. I got nothing going on. It's Monday. So I'm not working if you're going to be around, I can stop by the shop and do some stuff. He's like, yeah, come on by. There's, 
uh, the, at the time root river racing had a Z 400 that was part of the team. And he's like, this thing needs to be tore down so it can be rebuilt. So you want to come in and start on that. And within a few hours, I had that thing completely stripped all the parts torn, you know, everything organized, ready to go. And, you know, he went out for like lunch or something comes back and I'm done. He's like, wow. Um, okay. Well, I guess that's it. I wasn't expecting you to be done today. So that was, was kind of my thing with, to, to kind of really make him notice and see me for a mechanic instead of just the dude that was hanging around and helping every once in a while. So yeah, I was doing quite a bit of wrenching before I actually became a root river racing mechanic. You talked in your earlier, in the earlier time when I sat with you, that you had some mechanical input from your family and where did you come up with the ability to work on engines without proper schooling? Or um, let me put it to you this way, without a mentor that worked on that kind of machine. It wasn't right. a car. Um, it was a... Right. I mean, the, 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 we've all know that the their basics are similar, but they're not. Right, exactly. Obviously, all your internal combustion engines in theory, work the same. Um, so yeah, obviously when I was a, a toddler, I was helping my dad work on cars and trucks, but then the, the thing that really got me to figure out the, the small engine portion of things, power sports engines was when I bought my, my first four wheeler, which was a $30 scrap pile. Um, it, it needed a top end done. And so my dad and I tore it apart it needed a piston and rings, you know, the cylinder needed cleaned up. It needed valve seals, the valves needed cleaned up. And so actually a lot of the, the, my initial service information that I got for that machine came from a, a buddy of my dad's who is actually an uncle of one of my best friends growing up as well. He was a uh, Brian Callsbrotten is his name. Um, he was a local uh, Minnesota dirt bike racer from back of the day. And, and he works on dirt bikes on the side. Actually, he still works on dirt bikes on the side of, to this day. And he diehard Honda guy. And he, he was able to get some of the service specs and walk me through some of the things I needed to do and watch out for. But otherwise, you know, besides that, that information that he spoke to us, it was basically tear it apart remember how it came apart. It goes back together with the new parts. Here's this, here are the torque specs you need. And, and some of the stuff, you know, I'm not going to lie every once in a while, some of it was a little trial and error, you know, it came apart this way. It went back together this way. Well, now it doesn't turn over properly. What did I do wrong? So sometimes it'd be taking it back apart and then mental note, don't do that again. You know, so I think most people have had that at some point of, you know, you don't pick up a wrench for the first time and, and wield it with all this power. You know, you do, we're all human. You make mistakes, especially when you're learning this stuff. Right. Right. And, and that's trial and error is a great way to learn a lot of things, especially when it's right. the, the, the dollar is coming out of your pocket to mm -hmm. fix it and break it. 
Right, right. And then, I mean, after my my TRX 200 um, saga, I bought my blaster and that one was, you know, you're kind of doing top ends on that thing all the time anyways, because this is back in the day when you're just a high school kid in the summertime. I was milking cows in the morning. So my buddies and I had all afternoon, evening, night to ride four wheelers. So this blaster is getting tons and tons of hours put on it all day. Of course, you're going to go through a top end every couple of weeks in that. And so, you know, tearing that apart. And then I also had, well, I should say my dad had an old uh, CR250 Elsnor engine that it really wasn't worth rebuilding, but it was there. So I used to take that apart every once in a while, um, put it back together. I will admit that, you know, like I said, it wasn't really worth rebuilding, but I made it worse. Um, cause some of your trial and error stuff was done on that. And, you know, I, I cracked some cases, I cracked a clutch cover, I think on it. And again, it's one of those things like, don't do that again, because it's going to be very expensive on a, an engine that you're actually fixing. Right. Right. So that's that, like I said, that's a great way to learn. Um, mm-hmm. when you were learning the mechanical side of it on the motors, did you start playing with your own performance mods or was it all basic stock stuff? Um, so obviously with, with the 200, I didn't really do anything. Cause I was just a, a learning what's going on blaster worlds. You know, of course you're, you're playing with, with different pipes. You're playing with different, you know, air filter setups, playing with different reads. Um, when I got, when I started thinking I was a real big hot shot, I started doing some research. I actually did start porting a, a cylinder for one of those. And then again, when I rebuilt my Z400, I didn't do much on that, but I just kind of cleaned the ports up on it a little bit. Um, but I, you know, again, I didn't have all of the knowledge that I have now, but I had enough knowledge to be dangerous. And that's where like on the Z, I'm like, I'm just going to clean up the casting marks and and some of that but I'm not going to go too far because I don't want to mess this thing up. I'm a high schooler on a high school, you know, farmhand budget. I can't buy a new head for this thing if I mess it up. So it's just go a little bit and, and see how it was in the, you know, but Dino of course told you it ran a little bit better. Did it really do much? I can't really tell you because that head's been professionally ported by now, but I did, I did play around a little bit of stuff here and there. Well, that's that's how you learn, right? Right. That and and I think I think that experimentation is everything. I never have had. I've had the opportunity to learn how to port, but I have never had the desire. Yeah. <laughs> um, solely due to the fact that it's a miserable job, you know. Right. When, right. Watch when I watch my brother Lauren do it. Um, he's covered in aluminum shavings, uh, right. he's wearing a respirator and now he wears a respirator before he didn't. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing his hands and, and the aluminum slivers would be burrowed into his fingers and, you know, oh, yeah. he, he'd be digging the aluminum out and mm-hmm. he, I don't know how he did, did it because I just, I yeah. get an aluminum sliver in my hand now and I'm just that's that's all I can focus on. Got to get that out. Got to get it out. Got to do that. Well, yeah. I mean, you you'll forget about it until you hit it just right, and like, oh yeah, that's still in there. And then you dig at it for another half hour, give up, hit it again. Yeah, 
feel your pain there. And actually just thinking about it, I did actually do a one set of cylinders uh, for a Yamaha phaser that I actually ported for a buddy of mine. Um, he just had a special little project, wanted to do something cool with this, you know, 1987, I think it was Yamaha phaser. He asked me to rebuild the motor and, and get a little more power out of it. So I looked at it, kind of figured out, you know, some, and also doing some research online where people said that they could use a little bit of help and went to town. And it worked out and for you. It worked out. <laughs> That's, so. that's that's freaking pretty cool yeah and then and, and as you got into not only doing your motors you got into the chassis <laughs> modifications as well yep yep so of course you know being a, a young kid you know reading dirt wheels during school watching atv on demand videos i mean i had the especially when i owned my blaster Joe's uh, quad builder series on the blaster. That thing was on repeat. And I know they did one at one point on a KFX 400 and that thing, I'd watch that over and over and over again. And I watched their LTR 450 build and just think like one day I'm going to have an LTR 450 is so cool. And that was like, okay, you gotta, you gotta widen this thing out. I gotta get an axle. I gotta get some arms. I gotta get some shocks. And it wasn't until after MMI actually that I really did a, a proper long travel suspension on my Z 400. And, you know, actually it's, it's on it to this day. It's got a set of roll des- and they were secondhand used root river parts, but some roll design, a arms, custom axis shocks. It's got a lone star axle. It's kind of a, it's, it's all mix matched, but it was, it was my first motocross build, but before that, it was always, I got to buy this. I got to buy this. Most of the time just never happened. How much do you think that MMI taught you over what you learn in actual real world working on machines? The biggest thing that I think I picked up from MMI was more of the, you know, not so much how to do stuff, but more so on the you know, sometimes slow down, you know, obviously, like I said, it was a little trial and error on some things, but MMI taught me of the service manual has all these specs, has everything, all the information I could use, slow down a little bit, take some measurements, you know, no, don't just look at it. Yep. We're good to go. Slap it in there, but actually measure everything. How is everything looking that way with the numbers that it should be, but then also you know, before MMI, I would tighten bolts and okay, yep, we're good and tight. Now it's instead of the German good and tight torque spec, everything has a number. And so it's more so just being a little more professional with everything, um, being, you know, essentially being a little more anal on everything. You know, every bolt now gets torqued instead of an ugga dugga or yep, that's tight enough. <laughs> hey, when you guys were in Pleasure Valley, did you guys have to do a motor swap? Um, on my side with JJ, we did not have to do a motor swap. On Max's side, they did. Um, luckily for us, JJ's first moto was before the rain, and his second moto was was after the rain. So I had time to prep it. 
And I've gotten pretty good at, at my mud prep on the YFZs over the last couple of years, especially last year when almost every moda or weekend we would have to mud prep. So that we, we were lucky and I did end up doing top ends on both engines anyways, after the weekend, just because some different stuff, but otherwise both, well, the one bike didn't even get ridden, but his, his pro sport quad, it was, it was healthy as could be when it came off the track. How I'm not to get off track, but when you talk about JJ having a pro sport bike and a pro am bike, how is it different for him? Are they exactly the same? Are the shocks exactly the same? Is there, is there some difference that makes it where he has to get used to the other bike when he throws his leg on it? So JJ, JJ, first of all, I'll, I'll be out. I'll be honest. He's not that picky to begin with. I think I am pickier than he is when it comes to a lot of stuff. He will just hop on a bike and go. But I, when it comes to his, his two race quads and most of his practice squads, because JJ has a fleet of six fully built YFZ 450 motocross bikes. And so his, his two race bikes and at least two practice bikes, I make identical. Uh, Doug Schiltz, who does our shocks, he sets his shocks up all the same, um, you know, and all the, you know, the, the spring specs, all the shim stack, you know, he keeps good record of what he does. So every shock is set up the same. I set up the front end, like, especially on his race quads, when I get them both built, I set up the front ends side by side, you know, one after another. So I've got the measurements, I've got everything as far as, as what I am doing and set them up identical his controls. I set them up the same. And usually after the first time he'll ride one is when he'll sometimes make little changes, but then I go through and I make that same change on the, the other bike too. So I, I do my damnedest to make sure the, the nets are set the same between the two. As, as far as I'm, as I have control, I make both bikes complete twins of each other. I do make subtle little changes. Um, I obviously being, you know, I, I, these bikes probably mean a little bit more to me than most people will, because, you know, when I, I touch every single component of these ATVs, so I've got names for them. They, they've all got their own little, and starting a couple of years ago, they all have kind of Halloween or horror movie themed names. Just because the first one that started it, we named Frankenstein because it was just a jumbled mess that we had bought and quick made it work for a practice bike. Um, so after that, they all became like horror or Halloween themed names, but they all get names. They all have little like attitudes, but I will make both bikes will have like one or two little changes just so if someone goes, which one is which I can say this one has this color sticker here, or this one's got carbon frame guards. This one's got um, SSI decal frame guards. Nice. So, yeah. So, so there's always something different. So you know what it is. Yeah, something different. So I can say, go to this bike and it's got this. If I'm either not there or I'm busy with something else. That's, that's, that's good that you have a way to tell them different so that he can ride this machine and not that other machine that doesn't have oil in it 
you know exactly and of course you know with with our series you when you go through tech nowadays the ama gives you a, a frame sticker both frame stickers are different but i'm not going to say go to bike 5012 instead of 5011 you know it's go to go to either drac or go to or freddy you know this one's got this sticker this one's got that sticker nice nice <laughs> i always i always called my girls my girls yeah never, yeah never gave them a name but they're always uh my daughter asked me why are they always female and i go it's just they're just all my girls they're just all yeah, of them yeah you know well these one this one kind of started from like i said frankie frankenstein um which is actually his current it was his a-class championship bike last year and his primary practice bike this year is frankie and otherwise the names have been kind of i'll kind of ask um colton my son and courtney my wife of hey what should we call this one so yeah we've got frankie we've got drac for dracula um freddie freddie krueger casper the casper had white beadlock rings was the only reason for that one um and then i forget the new one now um <laughs> but we got another one too that it's kind of it doesn't get used as much so it, it's it's the redheaded stepchild so what, what do you think of those hologram graphics they'd be a lot cooler to me if everybody did not have them i love it's them. a it's a i think they're awesome <laughs> they are cool. And I thought, you know, they, Ian from SSI was trying to get us to do that for this year, that or like the, the chrome silver and stuff like that. But I was like, I have a feeling that everybody's going to run it this year. And we get to Daytona and everybody's got holographic graphics. I'm glad we, we kept it basic, but I like the way our graphics turned out on the bikes. Oh, they look good. They look good. Not a yeah. huge fan of the black plastic, but it, it, I mean, it, your team colors are your team colors. Right. I like the black plastic just because like last year when we were at Phoenix racing and, and in 2022, we were doing a different theme for every race. So I was like, all right, instead of having to, to try to run this plastic and the graphics might not match run all black plastic. So it doesn't matter if we're running yellow graphics, black graphics, whatever. The background is always going to be a nice neutral color. Right. Right. I get it. I totally get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, you see some of those uh, hologram stuff and, and they just, the bikes just gives them a, a glimmer to them that mm -hmm. makes them look even better than they do with the traditional stuff. Right. They definitely pop. That's for sure. Yeah, I like I like it. I haven't done I haven't done a set yet, but I probably yeah. will at some point just because I like I like them, you know. My yeah. brother yeah. I like them all. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you've seen my bikes, so you know I like to kind of stand out a little bit, but right. I also don't think that it will look good with my color choice personally. Um, it might if you get the right, they could set it up to look good with your color it choice could. right but, right i mean i just was thinking you're colorblind myself but that's okay <laughs> no your your bikes are beautiful and i just just wanted to see if you had 
what, what your thought was about those mm-hmm. graphics because mm-hmm. you know right, rice right. boards machines look pretty awesome and so everybody's oh for sure definitely definitely and it doesn't like i know obviously ian's holographic stuff looks good ernie from ftr is doing the holographic as well and his look really good as well so i mean it it's everybody that's doing it is doing it well actually um another graphic company that's doing it seven five designs my buddy neil larson i just saw his new graphics and his look really sweet on a pretty much all blue background with the holographic and that thing pops pretty cool yeah jsr is doing them too out here on the west yeah yeah for sure yeah they they they, they're they're doing some of that stuff too and i get to see a bunch of their different looks they're Mm -hmm. not the same as they are on the other side i I think they purposely try to make them look different which i would if i was Mm -hmm. yeah yep yep i'm not going to make graphics anytime soon so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> right um we, we we talk about development and things like that and you know we talk about naming our machines mm-hmm. everybody has that one machine that they'll never forget no matter what you do mm-hmm. that's the that's your that's your machine that's yes when you're 70 years old and you're talking to your great grandkids that's the machine you're going to talk about have you mm-hmm. built that machine yet? I believe I have. Um, and I think I told you this on the last episode. Um, there's only one four-wheeler I've ever owned that I actually got rid of. And that was a, a carb YFZ that I never even rode. I got on a package deal and I f- turned around and I flipped it. Um, but otherwise, every single four-wheeler that I've owned is either still personally mine or still in the fleet. Um, including my first four-wheeler that I later gave to my dad. Um, but I think that one that that one that's always gonna be that special part of my heart is gonna be my current, my current quad, which is my 2013 YFZ 450R. The main thing is with that quad, it is it's the first brand new four-wheeler I ever bought. And when I got it, I was working at Two Brothers Power Sports, which Honda Yamaha BRP dealer. I was, you know, a parts guy there. It came in on my lunch break. I pulled it out of the crate. I set it up. I did the PDI checklist on it. I did everything on that quad. So with the exception of maybe somebody helping me put a tire on or something like that, I'm the only person that's ever touched that four-wheeler with a wrench. And it's, it's kind of my, it's, it's my baby. It's always going to be my baby. It's been there with me for 10 years now. And I know in uh, early April, I made a little post about it. You know, on the day that I signed the paperwork on that four wheeler, I made a 10 year post about it on, on social media. You know, that's, that's going to be that four wheeler that's always got a piece of my heart. That's I think you did get into it a little bit. And I think that's, that's Mm -hmm. pretty awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, as you're, as a builder, when you roll that machine out the door the first time or the first time you fire it off in the shop, there's always a feeling you get when you're getting ready to go to an event on Mm -hmm. how that machine responds Mm-hmm. Do you have those same things happen in your world? Absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously, 
with when the, the first time you know this machine is done and you step back and you look at it and it's just like it puts an awe in your just I, I'm almost speechless a lot of times when I look back. And it doesn't matter if it's one of JJ's quads, one of my quads, some other, some other person I'm doing a build for. When you first get that thing done and you step away, and it's just this thing is amazing. You fire it up for the first time, and either it's gonna tell you, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be good, I'm gonna behave, or it's gonna tell you, I'm gonna be that bucking bronco that's gonna be a pain in your ass the entire time. And I always like to go with the 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 good behavior um just because it seems like obviously that one that's going to be a pain is always going to be a pain. It's it's obviously it's going to keep you on your toes, it's going to keep you young, but sometimes you just want to step away and light that gas tank on fire. Oh yeah. I, I know I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, and the other thing with my YFZ2 Leonard, I should I should also point out is you know, that thing is, has been rebuilt many times. That ATV is what I was riding when I met my now wife, Courtney. It's also the, what I used to propose to her. I had custom decals made for my tank sides that, that said, will you marry me? I set up a fake, which ended up being a real photo shoot. That was, you know, a, a family shoot with us in the four wheeler. And Little did she know that at, through one of the pictures, I turned the four-wheeler around and she was told to turn around and I was on my knee. That's, so. pretty, that's pretty awesome. Um, yep. I, I, I know we, 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 we hashed that back and forth a couple different times and it's a very right. special time and a very special mm-hmm. memory. And, and right. um, I didn't have anything that cool when I asked my wife to marry her. <laughs> I had it all planned out and and I don't know how she didn't find out, but she somehow did not find out. Well, even if she did know, she was kind enough not to let you know if she knew. Right, right. Well, she still says she still claims this day she had no idea. Well, they, you know, I mean, that's what our wives are supposed to do is protect us from things like that's that. True. That's true. That's <laughs> true. So uh, I got down on one knee. We were at a sizzler and I got down on one knee and asked my wife to marry her and asked her uh-huh. father, you know, granted I'm, we're 50 years old. Really? You don't have to ask uh-huh. dad at that point, but I took the initiative and asked her uh-huh. father if I could have her hand. And, and uh-huh. uh, he was extremely thankful and excited about uh-huh. that, um, uh-huh. that, that I even cared to acknowledge him. You know, and yeah, and I think that yeah. as da- as a dad, that you know, you'll know if you ever have a daughter that mm-hmm. man, that's a plan. Yeah, that's it's just big. I mean, it's really big. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was one. Yeah, oh, that was one big thing that I I try to make sure too is, you know, I I asked Courtney's father when before I asked, and it worked out perfect because when I'm visiting. Courtney, which obviously I'm, I'm gone a lot. So when I am visiting her, she's always with me. Uh, but I found a time where I had to take one of JJ's quads to, to Mark Baldwin's last year to get dyno tuned. And he came with me and it was, this is the perfect opportunity. So I asked him in the, in the truck when we were driving. And I also asked, uh, Colton, who is, who's our 
son, which actually, you know, Courtney's son, but he's ours. Um, I wanted to make sure he was okay with everything. Cause obviously I'm, I'm a guy he had only known for a few years at that time. I didn't want to intrude and, you know, if he wasn't okay with it, I wasn't going to go through with it. But luckily he said yes. And he seemed very happy about it. And here we are. And you got him to keep a secret. I got him to keep a secret. And I told him it's actually on video on TikTok, Leonard. Uh, Cause I made a, I had our family and friends and this is how she's really surprised. She didn't find out our family and friends. I did like a, like a TikTok countdown video where everybody kind of said like, Oh, in so many days you're going to be engaged. Um, and at the end of that video, I, I posted me, I got on video of me asking him and I told him in the video, I said, this is the one time I'm going to tell you to keep a secret from your mother. You know, otherwise we try to keep everything open, you know, no secrets from anybody. And he kept that one secret so he can open his mouth all he wants for the rest of forever. Like that's freaking Leon did this. Leon did that. Yeah. Right. 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 So far so good. But <laughs> usually oh. if I do something, I, I have to tell her I was a dumbass today or something. <laughs> well, that's how we, that's how we keep our wives by making sure that we tell them when we do stupid things. Right. Know? Right. If I tell you if there's, if I, if I tell you when I do the stupid stuff, you're not going to suspect that I'm doing something else. You know, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> you know, uh, exactly. You know, when I come mm -hmm. and shake my head, you're already going to know I was dumb that day. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, and she, she reads me like a book anyways. I could walk in with, with anything and she knows exactly how I feel. And she, she knows right away what happened. <laughs> well, <laughs> you bought another ATV. What? <laughs> Well, she, she's been pretty cool with that so far. So far. So far. Right. Right. You got, she knows you that got a lot. One so, for her, so yeah, you don't want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't want to, you don't want to push that envelope there too much. Exactly. All ATVs, you can't own too many. Right. Well, That's you true. can never own too many, but your my wife may think you can own too many. As long as you have a place to put it, I think it's okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. You know, one of the things that we haven't talked about is where do you want your ATV career to take you? So, and that's, that's always been something I have thought about, um, you know, even years and years ago when I was earlier in the power sports industry. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. When you get into this, a lot of times you're going to struggle. You know, and I struggled for years as, you know, have just being a parts specialist, paying student loans because I paid all this money for motorcycle mechanic school, paying a lot of money in loan payments, making not much money. And it's like, what am I doing? I could be doing this and I could be doing this. But then it got to a certain point where it's like, I've put so much time into my career in this industry. And especially once my name started getting out there a little bit, I'm like, I, I can't leave this behind. And I don't, I don't think I could ever leave the power sports industry. Um, so I, I, I would love to, at some points have my own team, you know, it's, it's something that, that I've always wanted to do is, you know, obviously I want to be part of a race team. I'm now managing a race team. 
But in the back of my head, it's like, I would always love to have my name on something, you know, something that is mine, you know, whether it be owning my own team or, or having my own shop that is, that is able to have a team as well, you know, fairly like what, what your family has done is kind of the, I think that would be where I sit back and finally realize, okay, I am, I'm comfortable. I I think that I am now successful. You know, I, I've got a lot of people that have contacted me from, you know, friends from back home that are like, you'd never guess I went somewhere and this person knew who you were. I didn't even know who they were, but I said that I was from this area and they said that they knew somebody that's in the, the racing industry that's from there. It was so cool, you know, from that to, to just people knowing who I am. It's like, yeah, that's awesome and all, but I'm never satisfied with it. Like I, I feel like that I could continue to grow and do more. And it's just kind of that, that appetite that's, that never goes away. I've got that hunger that I'm never, never fulfilled. Never goes away, bud. Just so you know. Exactly. Exactly. I bet it doesn't. <laughs> well, it's just, let, let's relate it to your racing. So mm-hmm. when you're on the line or you're in the staging, Mm-hmm. There is a total difference between standing next to the racer or being. Mm-hmm. For me nowadays, there isn't the the biggest difference is that okay, I know I'm either going to be watching the guy that that I'm always proud of, or it's okay, I'm the guy that's actually out here. I mean, I don't take nowadays because the the racing aspect of it is my career so i'm never i i haven't gone out and given 70 percent in probably four years you know it's it's always this i'm out here i'm having a blast right now because i'm i'm having seat time but I haven't taken my own racing seriously in a couple of years. Yeah, I look and I, oh, Pam, hey, I'm, I'm sitting right here in points right now. That's awesome, but I'm not going to push it. You know, I had a, a really dumb mistake that happened last year at, at Briarcliff and I ended up in the hospital and it's, that's the worst part. It's like, I wasn't actually pushing and went over the edge. I just happened to hit something and I ran out of talent when, and I overcooked rotating a bike in the air, came down hard, ejected me. I'm in the hospital. Right. Um, so the, the, I think honestly, a lot of it. Yeah. I, I love riding and I love being out there on the track, but I, I think right now me watching JJ and being proud of him and, and what he is accomplishing and what he has accomplished since we've been a team, I'm almost more excited for that nowadays because, you know, I I've stood beside him as he's taken three, two fifty championships. I stood behind him as he took two, four fifty championships. I'm hoping I can stand beside him as he takes a, you know, pro sport pro-am and eventually pro championship. And, and that's a very special thing to do with a rider knowing that, None of it lasts forever. Right, right. There'll be another rider after JJ at some point. Mm-hmm. And then another one or or another one after that. And mm-hmm. um, 
where I was going with the future portion of it is mm -hmm. knowing that the industry is always tough. Mm -hmm. Right. You're and that's one other thing too, with the industry is, you know, I've, I've put myself in a good enough foothold that if for some reason, the racing aspect of it, you know, say JJ says he's done tomorrow. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm honestly going to be heartbroken really, but I know in the back of my mind that I can pick myself up and I've, I've done enough things with, with, within the industry, you know, I was a, a brand ambassador for fly racing for a while where I traveled um, parts of the country for fly racing to go sell snowmobile apparel. I don't ride snowmobiles, but I know enough about riding gear and enough about things in our industry that I was traveling the country for them and selling their gear to random snowmobilers. Um, so I've, I've got contacts within the industry that if racing were to never work out, I could probably do something and, and use my sales skills for something else. So you could sell cars or, or ice cream. If I needed to, I could probably sell cars. I may not be the best car salesman because I'm pretty honest with people, but I could probably get you to buy a vehicle at the same time. But, <laughs> but, I understand exactly. but it, falls, it, it falls back down to the fact that I don't, I don't see myself ever leaving the power sports industry. I always see myself doing something within. That's good. I mean, that's good. And, and, and if you're focused on it and set yourself up right and take care of yourself financially, um, mm -hmm. by always putting money away and taking care of a retirement for yourself, um, I, mm -hmm. I sent you a message. So just so you know, okay. <laughs> um, that's what I was doing when I was looking away. Um, something you said in the conversation, <laughs> I needed to, I needed to ask you about it anyways, but, but you reminded me. Um, yeah. As long as you take care of yourself, mm -hmm. unlike some people that I know in the industry that's been in it their whole life that didn't take mm -hmm. care of themselves, make sure you do that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's yeah, really for sure. Important. Definitely. You know, definitely. Children now or a child now probably going to be children at some point. So you <laughs> want to make sure that you right. have a place for them and that you have taken care of it. You know, definitely. Yep. Are you still, I, I believe you said that earlier in the episode that you're still traveling a lot back and forth, Wisconsin and, and Ohio. Yep. Yep. Correct. Um, yeah. I mean, Courtney and I are still, we're still house hunting. Um, and it's not so much a like, we're picky and, and I know you shouldn't really be picky for your first home, but with, especially with my hobbies, we're picky. Um, cause I need a place to have multiple vehicles. I need a place to have a fifth wheel camper, many, many four wheelers, you know, and we want, we need to have a place that, you know, cause we are planning to expand our family. So it's not like we're just a newlywed couple that it's just us and we got nothing going on. Like we're two, you know, we're both in our early thirties. We've got our lives, we've got stuff. So we need, we we've got what we want and 
we're not really ready to settle for something less. Right. I think, so. I think that I think you got a good gal there and I think you guys are working together and, and you're talking Definitely. about goals. I mean, that's not what we're supposed to, we're not supposed to be having marriage counseling on, on the, <laughs> so, but right. It, but, it's good that you yeah. take care of yourself and, and move forward, you know, to make sure that, that the sport can, the sport needs to take care of you. So you need to take care of yourself so that you can be right. there for the sport later, because there are rough patches, you know, I've been doing this right. for a long, long time. And, mm-hmm. and it's there's times it's been really awesome and there's times that it's just like you know a dry desert and um mm-hmm. you just take it as it is um right. do i think i'll go back out in your world and and try to be a mechanic and and uh travel again i might travel for the podcast or for the media part but right. i don't right. think i do not think that i'm going to be able to um manage the physical portion of that mm-hmm. um i still think i'm in better shape than some of the guys that go to the starting line even though i may yeah. not look <laughs> but to to be a professional mechanic at the level that i think that it takes to be that guy to build the mm-hmm. machine to take care of it on the weekends to live it uh, i don't think i have that Right. Right. No, it definitely, it takes a lot of your time more than what people think. You know, it's, I'm at, I'm in the shop right now. I, I, I was uh, 11 hours on the road before we got on today, you know, trying to take care of, of making sure JJ's ready. I had to take a bike and, and get a dyno tuned. So I was, I was driving all day, get back here helping JJ and Max they're here at the shop riding, helping them out with, with some bike stuff so they could keep practicing. And then I hopped on here so we could talk. Yeah. So it, and that's obviously today is a, it's what I just said. That's a small day. And I don't, and I don't, and I don't doubt that at all because I've been there, man, work, you work your normal job, you get there at, you know, six something in the morning and you work Mm -hmm. until the boss lets you stop working. You know, he knows that you got to work on that race bike, but this customer needs their machine too. So. Right. Right. And I have to say, you know, this is probably one of the, the best, the Launderville family are, they're some of the best people I've, I've, been able to work with. I can't say I've had a bad rider. I've ever been in a bad mechanic rider relationship, but for being, you know, before it was, I was a root river mechanic and I had my rider on root river. So I was working for rich Gillette and he just knew he's like, as long as the race bikes are done, I don't care what you do. So, you know, there would be times where I'd be hanging out at the shop you know, just hanging out with Rich, hanging out with, you know, at time when later in that, that career, hanging out with Rich's son, Alex, weren't really doing too much. Race bikes were done, loaded. I didn't have much else to do, but I also, you know, at that in 2019, my rider was Aaron Salinas. He lived in Texas. I can't, I'm not in Texas to help him out. I'm in Wisconsin working on his two race bikes. They're good to go. I'm going through the trailer, but I would also, I'd be at the shop 
from seven o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock at night, getting all my stuff done in a, a few days. So, you know, it's not like I would just spend three hours. Oh, I'm done. I'm going to hang out and do whatever. But right. here working for the Laundervilles, it's the first deal where, you know, I'm, I'm at the facility where we've got everything. Jaden is here. Jeremy is here. I'm here. Granted, most of the day we're in three separate parts of, of the, the property essentially, but Jeremy knows that I know what I need to do. He knows that I want this for JJ just as much as JJ and he want this. So I don't get bothered down here really. You know, he, we come down here, we'll gather as a group just to, to just talk about things, but it's never, you know, I don't have a to-do list of you need to get the race bikes done. I know I need to get the race bikes done. I know what I need to do so that, you know, like this week, we're about to roll out to Briarcliff. I know what I need to do. So Wednesday afternoon, we can all hit the road and know that we've got everything. Everything's taken care of. And here I've got JJ's practice bikes that I, I maintain. We've got, you know, some other actually kind of behind me is his, his cross country bike that he likes to hit trees with. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that I take care of here and we just have a really good relationship and they know, and they trust that I'm going to get everything done here. And then when it comes to the 4130 team as a whole, yeah, obviously I'm, I'm here to take care of everything that I possibly can because I want this to continue. So I'm going to do things to try to, you know, whether it's relationships with people or companies or whatever. Well, that's your job is to call all those sponsors and to work all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I never got to work solely as a race mechanic. I never, I've never mm -hmm. had that opportunity. Mm -hmm. I've always had the job. And then it was the second job, you know, mm -hmm. or sometimes the third job, you know, you're, you're prepping the bike, you're getting the trailer loaded. And, and on Friday night, you know, or Thursday night, you know, when the boss says you can leave, you leave. Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. you got all your work done at four, you got to go at four. If you didn't get your work done till six, you didn't get to go till six. And right. It was always rougher to do it that way, but that's just the scenario that I was in. So I'm a little jealous of, of the guys like you that have gotten to do it for a, a living. I mean, it's right. I don't know right. what it's like to roll in on Monday after a race and pull the bike out and wash and prep, you know, and instantly go into the prep deal because m maybe by seven or eight o'clock on Monday, one of my machines would be ready to go to the races. Right. Right. You know? Um, so I, I I'm jealous of that instead of mm -hmm. taking the full eight or nine days to get it done because you only get X amount of time to work on it. Right. You know? Right. And I mean, there's, I obviously I, I, once we get back from a race weekend, Instantly it's, it's, let's get these bikes washed, especially, you know, some of these muddy races, it'll take me two, three times of washing the bike before it's actually clean enough to my standard, but you know, it's hurry up, let's get these done, things done. And it's, you know, I spend anywhere from 10 to 16 hours plus a day 
working on JJ's stuff. And it's as soon as one's done and it's all ready to go, push it off the lift, get it ready to go, bring the next one up when it's done. You know, it's kind of, okay, what, what else do I need to do to make sure the trailer is, is ready and loaded? All the bikes are strapped down. What, uh, what chemicals did I use up? What parts did I use that I need to replenish? Let's get the trailer restocked, get the bike strapped in, get the side-by-side in, whatever else that we need, make sure your trailer's ready to go. Okay. What other projects do we have around here? How's JJ's practice bikes looking? You know, we've got, I've got some restoration projects that I'm doing here for Jeremy. I've got, you know, like I said, there's, there's a woods bike here. We've got a lot of different projects that we're working on at the 4130 shop. That's, and that's awesome. And you do get a little bit of max in there every once in a while too. Every once in a while, mainly it's just uh three hour long phone calls, but every once in a while he pops in and, and needs something, whether it's a little bit of help or some parts are or you, just a talk. I might just be his emotional support. I don't know. Are, are, are you giving him the, that counseling uh, session for free or are you having him swipe the credit card? He'll be paying for it sooner or later. <laughs> uh, yeah, we we all need counseling once in a while, right? <laughs> well, that was the biggest thing that that I never realized becoming a race mechanic is I, I never thought that when when this is all said and done that I would essentially be a psychiatrist and a nurse and a nurse, yep, and a maid. And yeah, I mean, a butler, I mean, I've done, I've done everything from ordering meals for JJ because they don't understand what he's trying to order. And all he wants is a bun patty bun. That's it. Bring it out. Some French fries, maybe a piece of Swiss cheese. If he's feeling real adventurous, (laughs) but he, I've done that. I've, I've had to peel his stinky ass boots off because he rolled an ankle and can't walk. I mean, it's, you don't realize nobody that anybody that's never done this before, you don't realize just how close a relationship you are with your rider. And it's not, it's not a relationship that ends at the end of that, that racing career. It's, it's a, it's a lifelong relationship, you know, like yourself and, and Doug. You know, you listen to the podcast episodes, you listen to when you guys are live together, you can, you can see that connection. Well, it's, he fell off in uh red bud, you mm-hmm. know, when you spend four or five hours in the emergency room, waiting room, just waiting for them mm-hmm. to, because you're not family, you can't have any information, you know, mm-hmm. They've been doing it long enough with the racers. They understand that I'm his family because I am the mechanic. I'm the guy that's mm-hmm. going to nursemaid him. I'm the one that's going to help him get dressed. I'm the one that's going to do all these things. And right. because there's no, we don't have a wife, a girlfriend, or a whatever, or, or anybody else. It's just us two. Right. He can't even put his own pants on. You know. Right. Right. And yeah. So I mean- many people don't understand the self-sacrifice that goes through mm-hmm. to be a race mechanic right. you're selfless right right and and whoever you are with they become family yep 
You know, it's, I still remember, I just got the chills from it thinking about it. I still remember when, when JJ uh, messed up his arm in 2021, I was actually on a, on a mini vacation with, with Courtney and we were in um, Indiana just having a weekend little getaway. And I got a phone call from Jeremy that, you know, JJ crashed, something's up with his arm. We're going to the hospital right now. And I, my, my heart sank. Um, I was, I got off the phone and Courtney, you know, could see in my face. I was in tears, you know, it just, they crushed the, uh, the weekend mood for the most part. And, Obviously I, I have an amazing wife and she was able to, to really comfort me and, and just be there so that I would feel better. But that was, that was, it was like hearing that your little brother is going to the hospital, right? You know, you don't know what's going on. You, you're not going to know what's going on. Cause you're not there. Even if you are there, you're not going to know what's going on. So it was just kind of sitting there waiting for, for updates. And then you know, obviously it's, we took a, most of a season out and obviously I was here every day. He was here every day. We would hang out, we would chat and everything else. And, you know, I would, I watched him progress and get better. And and luckily I could do that because I mean, you look at him now and you wouldn't tell that he completely jacked up his arm. Right. And, and, that's 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 our role that's mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like you're a husband right so mm-hmm. depending on how you what you how you believe in those theories you're you have a role you have a job mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's not a job because you love that woman and you love your kids right. and you're right. the shield and you're the care you're the caregiver you're the you're the catch-all you it's i i listened to a guy say one time that it's not the quality of my life is not what we're worried about here. It's the mm-hmm. quality of your life is what we're worried about. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about me. We're not going to worry about me. We're going to worry mm-hmm. about you. We're going to make sure that you and the children have what you need to do the things that you want to do. And that is my job. That is what I'm facilitating. And that's what I'm taking care of. So you right. have that same role as a race mechanic. You are doing everything that you have to do blood, sweat, tears, lack of sleep, whatever it is for that individual to, to roll to the starting line and do what he does on an ATV or what she does on an, on an ATV. You know, you watch your machine go through the whoops or win a race or, you know, clear the big triple. And you're just like, I built that machine. Exactly. Exactly. All the time. I didn't think think he could do that. Right. You know, and you're right. just in awe of this individual that rides a machine, you know, that you've poured your whole life into your whole essence into it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just don't, I know that there's going to be people that listen to this that understand that. And then there's going to be a whole lot of people that think that we're on drugs. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And yeah, I mean, it's you, like I said earlier in the episode, you know, I, these these four wheelers I've got emotional attachment to, you know, I, they, they become closer than just the four wheelers that JJ beats the living crap out of, you know, they are in a way, my little babies that I take care of. And 
unfortunately for them, they got to come see me, the doctor, after every time he touches it. But I'm going to make sure that it is everything is is all fixed. Everything is in perfect condition. So the next time he puts his leg over it, it's good to go. Exactly. Exactly. And I just don't think that people realize how much it means to us. You know, mm-hmm. the movie that really turned the light on for me. What's that? Days of Thunder. Yeah. 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 You know, because I was listening, I was watching that scene going, huh, I've been there. I've done that. <laughs> right. I do that. Right. 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 You know, and I mean, there's that that video or that movie. I find a lot more relation to that to that because. I've joked to people before that my rider is a, a cold trickle. He can't tell you anything that's going on with this bike. So it's just, I've had to adapt to either whatever he is saying. I can adapt. You know, I, I figured out what he's actually trying to say, or I can hear it or see it and kind of figure out, okay, this is, this is happening or I can hear it. And like last year at Redbud, he lost a second injector halfway through a moto. So he, he didn't know what was going on and he forgot that there was a switch that he could flip that would switch the map and turn that injector off and then everything would have been fine. But he came back and he kind of, he was obviously upset. The emotions were high with him. So he kind of just, you know, the typical customer comes in with a verbal, you know, they, they're verbally making the noise that the bike was doing. And I walked over and I figured it out and like three minutes because I just kind of figured out, all right, it wasn't doing this. It wasn't doing this. It was doing this. I got to be looking somewhere fuel related Found a bad second injector, popped it out, put a new one in. Everything was all good to go. He went out and kicked some butt. Right. But you know, it's, it's just go to, like I said, I mean, it's like, it's like having a brother out there. It's not just the guy that you were working with. You know, there's days where I'm very proud of him and there's days where I want to smack him up the side of the back of the head. You know, it's, you know, it's that the, the, the deal where the, he goes out and wins a race mm-hmm. and it's him and he, he thanks you. And what, what makes the relationship really great is on the days when the bike's not right and he mm-hmm. does everything he can do and you know, the bike's not right. And, and he doesn't come back and yell at you. He comes back and goes, hey, we'll get him next time. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I understand that it can't always be perfect. I understand right. that it's not always going to be right. You know, or you didn't mm-hmm. intentionally mean for this to happen or that to happen. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think Doug and I got in one argument one time. You know, a, a counter shaft sprocket can't, fell off. Mm-hmm. You know, He'd been riding for 55 minutes. Right. What are the odds? Right. <laughs> That's crazy. Unfortunately, it fell off right in front of the, right at the finish line. Oh boy. Wedged a little bit. So he had to work it to get it apart. Once he got uh-huh. it out, unfortunately, he's 15 feet from the finish line, pushing it. And the other guy mm-hmm. crossed line and he gets second place but uh, yeah you know i understood the frustration i understood why he was angry um right i just didn't think that i needed to change anything that i do 
I needed to look mm-hmm. at what I was doing, but something mm-hmm. got missed in that somehow. Right. 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 Yeah. And it's just, I don't, I don't think a lot of people also understand that when something like that happens, I may be trying to put on a, a, a calm collected face, but I'm beating myself up just as much, especially once you figure out what happened. It's just the, the conver- if you could hear the conversations I'm having with myself, you would be leaving the room, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I can't be the guy, you know, if Jason, JJ's emotions are high or Jeremy's emotions are high, I can't walk in with these high emotions too. I have to walk in and try to get people to calm down and try to make, you know, try to make it seem like everything will be okay. I may not be okay at all, but as long as you think things are okay, then we can move on with the day and I can sort myself out as I'm fixing that bike. And that's our, that's what we do is, is our personal Mm -hmm. feelings and and how we're dealing with it doesn't matter. Never matters. Mm -hmm. We have to Mm -hmm. freaking take care of our task at hand. Make sure that bike is good. Make sure our rider's mm-hmm. good. Make sure that, you know, everything we're supposed to do is handled. You know, you can deal with your demons when you're alone, when nobody's right. around. You know, Right, right. So I'm, I'm yep. never alone because my demons are always with me. Right, right. I mean, it's I seen right. that on a shirt not too long ago and I laughed because it's so true. Yeah. You know, I mean, if exactly... If everybody knew what was going on inside of your head, would you be free to walk around the planet? Mm, probably not. No, not Most at all. Things, yeah. I mean, so. Right. A good thing. I mean, I, I have a tendency of, of releasing some of those <laughs> thoughts in my head and people are either, people either think it's very hilarious or they're like, there's something wrong with you, dude. <laughs> you know, it, it goes both ways. <laughs> I got that t-shirt, brother. Oh, right. right. <laughs> Leon, as always, man, you and I could probably talk till next year yeah. sometime um, <laughs> constantly. As always, um, I appreciate you taking the time with me. I know you have other things that you could be doing. You probably missed out on dinner tonight and you're probably tired. Um, yeah. Sleep when I'm dead, al- I suppose. You're always welcome on ATV Talk. Always. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org, or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. If you're in need of a consultation for your current racing program, a custom ATV, or an industry guest speaker, I have the company for you. Duncan Technologies International, Inc. offers host, MC, and guest speaking services at events. Builds custom ATVs for recreational riding or racing around the world. And they offer consulting services for professional teams or individual racers. Send inquiries to duncantechinternational at gmail.com or call 619-800-2500.
619-716-1532 for more information. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, don't forget to share us with your family and friends. The podcast is available on all streaming platforms, and you can find us on social media as ATV Talk Podcast. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Rumble, and Twitter. 